the art of Pokemon and capturing and training and breeding monsters, but also non-instance combat, real-time voice proximity chat, so you can socially engage with others to make our world, you know, be in a live, vibrant experience. So the Untamed Dolls is also taking a, a very different approach that we felt was necessary to to basically capture the market because what I identified in the play to earn space is that it was doing amazing things and a proof of concept had been established. However, when you looked at the percentage of gamers that had been exposed or participated in play to earn compared to the total pool of digital online MMO players, it's, it's extremely low. We thought, man, the real trick here is how do we, how do we break down the barrier and how do we create a bridge to take this to the mainstream stage to get millions of new players into the space. So after doing a lot of research, consumer interviews around the gaming segment, using a lot of our existing brand and audience, we found that there was a stigma around play to earn. So those who didn't know crypto didn't trust crypto for whatever reason, they just, they just didn't want to touch play to earn games because of the nature of the onboarding and adoption. So we created a, what we're calling game first crypto second, which is the concept that you can play our game with no wallet integration, no requirement of a wallet or any crypto knowledge. You don't have to have any currency. You can buy the game on Steam, you can play the game, you can log in, you can hatch an egg, you can play, there's no, there's no sort of cash gateways, nothing there. And then as you progress through the game and you get rare and valuable items, you get monsters, you get lands and assets, 99% of the things within our game, 99% of the, the assets within our game are tokenizable. They can be taken to a registration office and sent out to a wallet and traded. I am really excited today to have Josh Grant on NFT Cast, and Josh is the CEO of Untamed Isles, which is an MMORPG monster game that includes NFTs and crypto, but they're taking a really unique approach to their launch. And so I'm kind of excited to hear all about the, the what they're building and what they're putting out to the world. But first, Josh, welcome to the show, and could you kind of Introduce yourself, tell us about yourself and your background and how you ended up here. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So I guess, I guess what we will start is kind of my background. So um, I've been in the gaming industry for some years now. For those of you that have played Magic the Gathering or have played any sort of tabletop games like role-playing Dungeons and Dragons or anything, you, you may be familiar in the States of our brand channel Fireball. So I've created softwares for local game stores all across the world through Bindapoz. They're managing the secondary market for for hobbies and collectible and trading industries, specifically Magic the Gathering, you know, Flesh and Blood, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, and, and, and a large variety of other games. So we've, we've run a very decent operation in the States and across five other countries, but my dream has always been to build a video game development studio. As an avid gamer myself, I, I dabble in all things games. I play, I've played competitive TCGs, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, I played more video games than I'd like to admit and my wife would like to talk about. And, um, for, for me, as, as I kind of hit the key milestones of success in my other company, my dream was always, my retirement plan was always to, to spend the rest of my business years building out a video game development studio and creating fun experiences and innovation to the gaming industry. Truth be told, I'm actually, I was relatively new to crypto 18 months when I first started investigating the opportunity and, and beginning to establish the studio. 
in parallel of running off the channel fireball. And that's when I was exposed to play to earn and all the fantastic things that play to earn was providing, you know, crypto and play to earn gamers across different regions of the world and how it was integrating different regions, communities to each other and, and providing life-changing opportunities to some. So I kind of identified that as, as even though I didn't have a background that I never touched it myself, I saw the technology and its application. And after a bit of research, immediately identified that this is the future of gaming. The thing is, is that for hundreds of thousands of hours, gamers spend their spare time, their days, their weekends playing games. And it makes absolutely no sense that there's no interface for them to, to share or to, to profit in the spoils of their time investments. And yeah, I guess. For me, you know, we've seen it in the trading card game industry and the tabletop collection industry for years. You know, you play these games, you collect the cards, you trade and sell them with other players, you sell them to stores, you sell them online. I mean, we've been in that space for a very long time and rolling that out to the video game and the digital industry just made so much sense. So, and, and crypto was the perfect technology to allow peer-to-peer -peer trading in a sustainable and, and, and cross-region format. So we, we began researching and hiring the right people and partnering with the right people to developed the Untamed Isles, which is a monster taming MMORPG, taking heavy inspiration from iconic monster taming games. We've taken a lot of inspiration from the likes of Pokemon, but we've also looked to bring that to a more socially engaging stage. So a lot of us come from big backgrounds of playing uh, survival games. You know, we've got the Rust, the Arcs, all those kind of things. We've got the World of Warcrafts, the Runescapes, the Arc Ages, all those and, and, a, and an ongoing list of MMORPGs. But what we've tried to capture is the art of Pokemon and capturing and training and breeding monsters, but also non-instance combat, real-time voice proximity chat, so you can socially engage with others to make our world, you know, be in a live, vibrant experience. So the Untamed Dolls is also taking a, a very different approach that we felt was necessary to, to basically capture the market. Because what I identified in the play to earn space is that it was doing amazing things and a proof of concept had been established. However, when you looked at the percentage of gamers that have been exposed or participated in play to earn compared to the total pool of digital online MMO players, it's, it's extremely low. And, and we kind of thought to ourselves, myself and my business partner, we were chatting, we thought, man, the real trick here is how do we, how do we break down the barrier and how do we create a bridge to take this to the mainstream stage to get millions of new players into the space. So we created a concept called, after doing a lot of research, consumer interviews around the gaming segment, using a lot of our existing brand and audience, we found that there was a stigma around play to earn. So those who didn't know crypto and trust crypto for whatever reason, they just, they just didn't want to touch play to earn games because of the nature of the onboarding and adoption. So we created a, what we're calling game first crypto second, which is the concept that you can play our game with no wallet integration, no requirement of a wallet or any crypto knowledge. You don't have to have any currency. You can buy the game on steam. You can play the game. You can log in, you can hatch an egg, you can play. There's no, there's no sort of cash gateways, nothing there. And then as you progress through the game and you get rare and valuable items, you get monsters, you get lands and assets, 99% of the things within our game. 99% of the, the assets within our game are tokenizable and wow. they can be taken to a registration office and sent out to a wallet and traded on our marketplace. So we have an in-game auction house and trading system. We also have a website marketplace in which you can sell, um, mint and trade all of the items and assets in the game. And they are, um, all that's all through the Polygon network. So right. through Matt, through Matic and Polygon. So. Um, it, it means that gamers can basically play the game as they usually would a, a regular MMORPG and they can do all the things they usually would. And by the time they're quite invested in the game and they've got a, reasonab a reasonably strong collection of wealth and items and strong monsters and et cetera, they can look to liquidate that and start trading for cash and, and participating in the play to earn side of the element. The, sorry, 
no, that's okay. Let, let's pause real quick there, though, because I got a lot I want to ask you about through this. Okay? Um, <laughs> no worries. Sorry. Apologies. Apologies. Oh, no, no, it's all good. It's obviously, it's obvious you're enthusiastic about what you're doing. And and that comes out, you know, from from you kind of just running it, running through it. Okay, so all right, I'm going to back up just a bit in your life real quick. So I really quickly am curious from a business perspective, were you doing the the collecting that moved you into that business is that kind of can you give me a little bit of story of how you ended up having this business that's one of the largest in the world or the largest in the world for trading yeah yeah so i i actually joined i joined a little bit late so my business partner john sasso he's been running the channel fireball brand the e-commerce brand for over a decade i started a company called binder pos we're a point of sales inventory management data product that basically did hourly updates and, and stock management for all of the singles, so all of the aftermarket products from like so every individual card within the card games okay. and for local game stores. And our point of sales was quite unique in the sense that it allowed what well, still still allows stores to buy and sell so they can actually trade over the counter and include that in receipted transactions. Oh, wow. Nice. So Channel Fireball was, became our largest customer. I got to know John, the owner, and we decided to merge our companies. 50-50 and wow. I assumed the role of CEO of the group. We called it the Channel Fireball Group. We merged together a series of companies and turned Channel Fireball, which was a, an events company and one of the largest trading card game e-commerce companies in the world into one business. And we had our technology team come in and we transitioned that e-commerce site into a marketplace for local game stores across the United States to all use and leverage. Wow. So we've just completed that. So the Channel Fireball Marketplace is live now. Yeah, it's been a fantastic journey. And, you know, we've also been running professional events, esports, all that kind of stuff for different companies too, because we also have a very large like event sector. Holy crap. Okay. So that's that, how big is it? How big is an industry is the, 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 the actual trading of, of these cards over? How, how big is that industry? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, billions of dollars a year. Of yeah. Okay. Um, Yes, I mean, for those, for those that haven't, I mean, that's not even including the sports cards industry, right? Right. Which we, which we sort of dabble in as well, but yeah, it's, it's a massive industry. There's, there's billions of dollars of sealed product sold every year. So booster packs and sealed product from different product launches from different games. Right. And then, you know, you, you can look at like 10 Xing that for, for the secondary trade. Wow. Of, of the, yeah, of the cards between players. So I asked those questions, number one, because I think it kind of really establishes that you, it's interesting because you, you're coming from a market in a world where the gameplay led to the market, right? And, and, and that, that increased the market, but it also enabled all of these people, as you were talking about, to actually earn money from their participation in these games. And, and, and it's very similar to kind of what's starting to happen in the NFT space and in the gaming space in crypto and NFTs and online. But I, something really struck me when you said, you know, they're putting in thousands of hours playing these games, they're buying the, the products from the manufacturers and they always had a free and easy or the ability to buy and sell what they had and earn money from it. So it makes complete sense to have that transition into this world. And, and I think that's a really interesting point of view from the perspective of the NFT market in general, especially as it ties to gaming. And I, I think that's something that people don't necessarily think about when they think about this, this world on the crypto side. So uh, I really just kind of wanted to emphasize that and get an understanding for myself, how big of an industry that is. When you dove into kind of, okay, this is, you, you already had in your mind that you wanted to create a video game studio. and. Was it kind of an instance of 18 months ago when you really started looking at 
crypto and slash NFTs, that it, that, that it all kind of came together for you, that you wanted this monetization model, or did you already kind of have some monetization model that you were thinking about prior? Oh, look, we were going to, we were going to be doing play to earn regardless. We were going to be doing like a traditional fiat marketplace for the items. We just thought that crypto was a better and cleaner technology and just provided a, honestly, a better user experience. Look, the technology still obviously has a long way to go. It's, it's a very new technology. Right. But what it, what it's doing right now, and I think where it's true purpose is with NFT's true purpose and crypto's true purpose has a huge place to play in the progression of the gaming industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I, that's probably one of the most practical use cases for it in the immediate future. Well, and I think, I, I think it's like beyond inevitable. And it, it's interesting to me that some of the gaming industry is, is resisting and some of the game industry is bracing it. So yeah, I think the companies like yours that come out first. <laughs> are are going to be in a in a very strong position. Yeah, I mean EA just announced um they're now going to be developing blockchain games and I mean that's that's an amazing step forward for one of the AAAs to to step forward and take the head off this. But I think what we're trying to really get on onto too. So just on that note, crypto gaming still currently there's no titles that or very few titles that don't promote like no sort of pay to win elements or no sort of like early asset sales, which is which is an interesting take we took on it because we needed to do that to break through the wall of mainstream gamers to educate them on the space before looking at maybe more traditional play to earn titles. Right. So, you know, that was something maybe a bit more unique about us. For example, like we don't sell our monsters like before the game launches, we don't sell our land, you know, you've got to get in the game, you've got to play and earn that. And the, the players have to trade that between themselves and the player economy. And that's something really unique we've sort of taken and, and, a, and a twist we've sort of taken. And what that's actually done, though, is it's created a really interesting, you know, fundraising barrier for us compared to a lot of other play-to-win titles. We're developing a, a significantly larger title than the average game in the space, yet we have no accessibility to running launch pads, selling land assets or selling monsters to raise the funds. So, you know, we self-funded, we kick-started, which both went really successful. And as, as crypto users and play-to-earn gamers started to learn about the game, they, some, a lot of them backed us on Kickstarter, some didn't, just due to the fiat boundary and not being able to use, you know, the crypto wallets and things. So we created the Guppy Gang project, Genesis token, a way to back us now, get in early, you know, establish yourself in the, in the Fat Loot Studios. That's the name of our gaming studio ecosystem. What's the name um, of it? Fat Loot Studios. And that's Fat Loot. I love it. With, okay. with the P-H-A-T. Yeah. Oh, like, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's in like uh, <laughs> the 90s reference. Yeah. yeah. So... We, so the Fatlow Studios has created the Guppy Gang Genesis NFT token. There's 10,000 of them. They're fantastic. They're the Guppy art. Guppy is one of the creatures inside of the Untamed Dials, an iconic first creature ever made in the game. And I mean, these things have a ton of value, but it's just, it's a way for us to provide a backing token and something that the crypto users can basically grab and buy and get an early to leverage that, you know, early finders reward. And yeah, the so, backing reward. Yeah. So the idea, I mean, I, th I think this makes a ton of sense. First of all, the game itself doesn't require anyone to buy anything except the game to play it. Yep. And so that appeals obviously to the traditional gaming market, right? You know, people want to come in and play and try it and they don't want that barrier of, you know, look on Axie right now. I think you're, you're spending thousands of dollars just to get in. Well, it may be just under a thousand for the lowest end buy, but you're spending a lot of money to get in and play that game, right? Whereas with you, you're saying, hey, over here, if if you just want to get in and play this game, you can earn everything you need in the game and actually earn from the game. At the same time, 
yo, crypto folks, we want to make sure you <laughs> that we can appeal to you. Yeah, right. And so you're used to wanting to buy something in the game and you can either use it for the game or you can either use it for the game or sell it on the market if these things explode and become popular. Right. So, well, the, the, the way, the way these things work is, as I mentioned, they're just tokens. So they, they provide monthly airdrops of like cosmetic NFTs and things like nice. that. So they give these, these fair tickets to the Guppy Paradise that opens once a month and the gamers will go there and they use these tickets and these tickets can get you like limited edition items, mounts, titles, health skins, furniture, all kinds of really cool cosmetic NFTs and super exclusive stuff that can be like traded, traded and sold the tickets themselves. If you don't play the game, but you're a guppy gang holder, you can just get those monthly tickets and you can just sell them on the marketplace to gamers. So it's just residual NFT values. Nice. They, they themselves are an NFT art piece with uh, generative NFT art piece. So they have rarity scores and all those good things. They provide you, if you hold one, you get a game key to all of our games, including the Untamed Dolls forever. So you never have to pay for any of our games. Also, if we, in the future, when we do more traditional play to earn titles and when the Fat Loot Token eventually comes out, they will provide um, early access discounts free these giveaways and exclusive buying rounds and things to all of our future initiatives and projects. And that's the Genesis value. They also can be taken inside the game and hung up, hung up on the wall in the player or guild housing. So you can show them off the portraits off They we have an AI doodle project where basically one of our senior AI engineers will be building a, a web tool where you can plug the NFT in and about mid 2022, you'll be able to allow your, your guppy to begin AI doodling. Oh, so basically nice. drawing, so, so artificial intelligence will pull from a reference library and these things will actually draw their own art and you'll be able to mint one unique art piece drawn by your own guppy. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So they, the little generators, we've got a morph token drop. So we've got our own currency that periodically gets dropped to guppy holders, which could be used for a number of things. There's burn mechanisms on them to redeem really cool stuff and to participate in other stuff. And we're just gonna, we're just gonna carry on adding value to these things. I mean, like these things are that they're our compensation for not having an asset sale. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it makes total value, sense. Value piece of the studio, yep. Well, it puts, look, it puts, it puts funds into the studio to continue developing and growing and building. And at the same time, it's a gateway for normal crypto NFT people who are gamers who would like to participate in some way and it's more familiar for them. So that, I think that's and, and brilliant. The, the beautiful thing too about us and, and, and what I think makes us quite strong in comparison to a lot of other NFT projects is that, you know, we, we're a game company that's already developing a game, which is set to release, you know, like the, the, the first amount of open access you're looking at. So this December, January, January, February sort of range for players starting to get in there and actually play and enjoy the game. It's, it's a very long way through development, but right. it's, or, it's already funded. The funding is just going to be contributing towards a larger scope at launch more asset for the studio, more marketing funds so we can get to more mainstream gamers and get a larger audience and in turn making the assets in the game more valuable as it's more largely adopted. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it's, it sounds like a fantastic model. In terms of, in terms of the assets, are, are those assets standard NFTs or are they only tradable on the marketplace that you guys are building or kind of what's the story behind that? They're, they're just standard NFTs. We have, we have a, a unique IP called scroll, which kind of like plugs into our marketplace and gives you like a whole bunch of data. So you can see like the ownership history. Oh, you nice. can so you can sort of say the origin history, like where it was found, who found it. All that kind of thing. So for example, like, you know, you find a tame and you'll be able to see what, whether they found it in what part of the island, what day, what region, what server, all that kind of stuff, all of its history, like in terms of like how far it's gone in the competitive ladders, just all kinds of stuff. Very cool. And I'm looking at it now. I mean, to mint one of these is only 
like 368 bucks. I mean, gas fees will take you to 500 bucks, but that's, that's not bad at all for a unique NFT in, in, in this world right now. So I, I think for a Genesis token, yeah, I think it's really good for the amount of value we're breaking into it. I mean, we had a lot of recommendations just in the current landscape with gas and everything to lower it, but we've, we've just committed to burning them. Whatever doesn't sell to burn them just wow. to make the, the system more uh, exclusive and you know, we're happy. We're honestly, as long as, as long as all of our, our avid backers and people that have been following us and backers on Kickstarter have had access and a chance to buy and collect them, you know, we, we're very new in the crypto space. So marketing for us was interesting. So our biggest issue for not selling out at this point is just the fact that we, a lot of people just don't know who we are and what we're doing. You know, if you go into our discord and you read the chat, everyone's very bullish. Everyone's very happy with the project. It's, it's just a, a case of us getting out there and, um, We've actually got some pretty exciting announcements over the next few days with different people, including yourself, that we're working with to try and help get our name out there. Nice. And you're going to, we're going to, we're going to be doing a Doki Doki machine for you, sure. Jay, correct? Can you kind of tell us the the parameters of that, what we're doing? Yeah, I think we're going to, I think it's like an overtime thing that we want to add to too. We find them pretty cool. So what we're doing is we're creating 3D Tame cards. So we've taken our 3D model originals of like some of our Tames because our, our Tames on the aisles have interchangeable limbs. And then we have what's called your pures. So we've taken a ton of the pures, which are models like our guppy, our pango, our thunas, like we're doing a whole bunch of stuff, our scout and, um, creating a couple of different mood types for them. And then we've like sort of put them on within the unity engine. We've basically generated the art by using the in-game weather effects, um, wow. in-game scene and the 3d model, and then created like a unique in-game border for it, turned them into cards and we've loaded them into, into the machines. That's awesome. Can you kind of give us a little bit of the, you know, the story and what happens in the game and, and kind of what people can expect? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So for those of you that have been following us and for those of you that haven't, we're very, very big on, on world building and law building. So we actually, we partnered up with New York, New York's times bestselling author, Aaron Hodges, who's a fantasy fiction author to create the first novel for the untamed dolls and to build the world law for the untamed dolls. So if you go to uh, you go to Amazon, Untamed Dolls, The Path Awakens, the first novel's already out. You can buy it. It's $5 US. It's on Amazon and Kindle. So The Untamed Dolls is set in a fictional era in parallel world, but basically a long story sort of short. These islands pop out of the, out of the sea randomly one night and no one knows what's going on, what they are, what they're about. They just emerge from the ocean. And then what people find is that, you know, on the, on these islands, or as you come close to the island, no technology works. So no power, no fire, no nothing works. Huh. Guns. And they find that there's these, obviously these mysterious creatures and crystals and the entire island is run by crystals. And where, where the book takes place, I don't want to ruin too much, but where the book takes place is it follows a group of protagonists called the Pathfinders. That's a sort of a makeshift group of different individuals that have sort of smuggled their way onto the Isles because the government aren't allowing anyone to go there until they sort of figure out what it is. But there's a whole range of smugglers, like through fishing vessels and things that smuggle themselves onto the island. And the first of the landing crew um, has a very small survival rate. Um, we've gone for less of a, a sort of a kid's Pokemon approach, you know, where we haven't followed that sort of like young, we followed more of a serious, older sort of model, more mature model. So there's, there's quite a bit of death and all sorts of things <laughs> in the book, but yeah, so the Pathfinders, they, they arrived there. The game is actually set 12 months after the book. Okay. Um, after the book series. So from the first book anyway. So you're, you're arriving 12 months after the Pathfinders and yeah, you basically, you have a very different world that you're coming to, to the first style you approach it. It's obviously a lot more humans are there now. It's a lot more discovered. It's a lot more 
a lot more known and the pathfinders have pushed their way to the few further islands clearing and, and, and further discovering the unknown. But if you want to learn the full story, you of course need to read the books and play the game. That's perfect. I love that. That's a good tease. That's great, man. Well, that sounds, it sounds amazing that, and I, you know, I don't know how typ typical this is to, to, for you guys to have already published a book about it, but I, I think that's a great way to get people in and engaged. And obviously lore is critical to all of these games. So it's, it's a good move. I love it. Yeah. We really wanted to, we really wanted to take it to the next level in terms of making, in terms of building the world and building the atmosphere and the, you know, so I think, I think anyone who's read the book will say that, you know, there's definitely even playing the game, there's going to be a huge amount of sort of, let's just say a large cliffhanger has been placed on the book series and, you know, playing the game, there's some sort of Easter existence sort of nice. what's going on with the Pathfinders, but people definitely want to wait for the next novel, which is, which is set to release at the end of Q1, latest Q2 next year. Very cool. And the game is set to come out, you, did you say January? Yeah, yeah. It'll be publicly accessible from January. That's right. Nice. Very nice. And then the the play itself in the game, is it is it going to be kind of very similar to what people have experienced playing other monster taming games? Or can you give us some insights there? Yeah, so we've, we've, we've gone slightly different. There's a couple of philosophies we believe in as game designers. So I'm the CEO of the studio and also the lead game designer. Nice. I, we've created the Untamed Dials to have a much smaller niche pool of monsters, but um, each of them have seven different limbs, including their cores and things that can actually be mixed and match, creating different combinations from, from through the team. So there's limitless combinations of teams you can create, move their, move their traits, their moves, their stats, everything around. So it's got a very complex breeding system. The, the island is dynamic. So as you go through different areas with different weathers at different times of days and different seasons, you'll encounter different monster combinations. And then you can take those monster combinations and breed them to really tailor and make some real custom stuff. So we've taken a really interesting sort of philosophy there because we've got a concept called no dead content. Many, a lot of MMORPGs, you see, it's like a real shame when they create a real beautiful world and area and story, then they release an expansion pack and all of that content is useless. You know, like it's just, it's gone. Like, you know, all about the new expansion, no one goes to the old area. You yeah, know. that's right. That's why with the limb swapping system, well, not limb swapping, but the interchangeable limb system through breeding and, and finding, as we add one new monster to the pool, it creates tens of thousands of new possibilities. So a new island actually just creates a new added layer to the existing layer of tames. And, and, and vice versa, the items and tames and activities and professions of the first island, for example, when we release the second, will be unique to that island, but still will integrate in and be requirements for meta gameplay and ongoing gameplay in the second island. That's awesome. So essentially everything stays in play and everything stays fresh. So yeah, no, no dead content is the main strategy. We're focused on esports. So there's going to be a large competitive scene. We plan to put a lot of the proceeds of our, of our revenue, our marketing fee, our percentage marketplace fees and things back into the competitive scene. So that there's small casual tournaments, cash prizes right through to our regional and world championships, which will have extremely large cash prizes. And we want to really drive and incentivize competitive play. You know, we. We take inspiration from some of the greats, you know, like if we, if we had like a, a long-term vision to try and achieve something, it'd be to try and over the course of time, as we grow, try and build something like what, you know, right with League of Legends is created with our world series, really empower our pro players to become celebrities within our ecosystem and, and create, you know, these obviously like these, there's all within the space, there's already this fantastic guild structure and this competitive structure. Yeah. sponsors and things like that and we want to really lean into that because we actually see it in the mainstream gaming space the only difference you know right and that the only difference is at the moment it's barred to only 0.001 percent of players in mainstream gaming whereas in crypto obviously it's you know maybe a bit more common yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we really want to leverage that and we want to make, you know, regional scenes, world scenes, you know, different niche brackets within different communities that have different prizes so that everyone can try and find that sort of their space where they can play competitively for, for money as well. I love that. And so you essentially, there's two venues for, for earning then, right? It's, it's what you've earned in game and, and, and can trade plus potentially competitively. Yeah, the, the currency itself is tradable too. It's not a token. We're, we've got a very unique sort of like tokenomic model, right? A tokenomic model. Is that the wording? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, tokenomics works out a lot. I don't know if you, if you take away the S if it works. But it then the way, the way we've run things is we've got a currency called gems in the game. And look, they are, they are like game asset gems. But what we have is we've got these, these rare items called gem bags. Okay. Um, and what you can actually do is put you know, as many gems into a gem bag as you want, seal it, and then you can mint it and register it as an item. So you can then send a whole batch of our gems out to the marketplace and you can sell them on the marketplace for polyam and you know, whatnot, and then bring them obviously back into the game and, and untie them and redeem the gems. So the gems themselves are still, our currency is still tradable. It just functions in a slightly different way so that we could avoid having to have real-time wallet and chain integration at all times for new players. That makes sense. So they can be accumulating these things, but then when they're ready to trade, they can trade in your existing marketplace. And then that, and, and that's when they get, that's when they start interacting from a wallet perspective. That's right. Yeah. So they can trade on the website marketplace or they can mint them out and sell, sell them on OpenSea, whatever they want to do, you know? Awesome. Awesome. So, so I, I, I like the multiple tiers of, of models. Have you guys, I, I, it sounds like it might be too complex, but have you been able to kind of model out your expectations for like, you know, casual players versus moderate players versus totally completely I, addicted players and what they would do? <laughs> I've got a philosophy. So what we're going what we're doing is creating a good amount of content loop and requirement on each of the fields. So for example, like our profession system versus our PVE players versus our PVE meta players for like dungeons and reading versus how PVP players versus how PVP meta players and the casuals, the hardcores and everything in between. So we've, we've created game loops and considerations for each of them, but we haven't provided weightings for it because I've got a bit of a philosophy as a game designer that, um, you should kind of let the community tell you what they want and where they're going to sit and what kind of community you're going to build and don't, don't necessarily try and, you know, force all of that stuff because it's it's fascinating when you look at the evolution of some games and titles, you know, where people originally build their game and franchise and where they end up. And I think we've seen a lot of that with like the, the Battle Royale format, which has, you know, emerged in mainstream gaming recently, right? With like Fortnite becoming, sure. you know, one of the biggest games in the world. And their original game, what, what Fortnite was, is dissolved to nothing because no one plays it. So like, you know, it's it's one of those things where... What they actually did build really well, though, a fantastic art style, an engine, like a beautiful game with great shooting mechanics, you know, what, what they thought the world wanted wasn't what they wanted though. So I think keeping an open mind and being agile is what any young business should do. Well, and, and I will tell you on the crypto side of things, that's a perfect fit, right? The, to me, some of the best projects start with a kind of thesis of what they want to build and put out there. And then they start handing off to the community where it evolves to. So I, I actually think that's a, a, a great strategy for at least uh, the crypto side of things. And I think it makes total sense on the, on the gamer side, the, the non-crypto gamer side of folks as well, that they will gravitate to that and want to be able to participate and kind of see where it ends up. No, I'm, I'm glad you agree because I, I've taken a lot of my philosophies from, you know, the mainstream 
software as a service model world, but it just seems to be one of those things where in technology world in general these days, you just, you just have to remain, you know, agile and not be too precious on your ideas. You know, like we're, we're at huge, anyone who, who's in our Untamed Dial's official discord or in our Guppy Gang discord, like you'll know, we're just, we're extremely community focused. We, we focus on a lot of community engagement and we're basically gamers, a team of gamers building a game by gamers for gamers. And we wanted to listen to the community because there's one thing that's, as a gamer that's kind of annoyed me over the years previously is there are people that play your games for thousands and thousands and thousands of hours. And then there's game developers that don't even play their own game at all. That's incredible to me. Yeah. So like you need to listen to these people. I mean, these people are the ones that are going to tell you how to improve your game, what they don't like about it. What are the barriers to entry? All these, all these like diamonds of information exists within them and they're always happy to share it, but it astounds me how many companies are not willing to listen. Yeah. They continue to do what they think is best as opposed to listening to what people actually want. Yeah. It's, it can, it can come off like, you know, some extreme cases, it can just come off as very tone deaf even, you know, just to sometimes when they're like the whole community is like, oh, please just fix this one thing. And they're like, oh, we've, re we've released new particle effects on the waterfalls. <laughs> what's, like, what's going on? You know, like <laughs> you just fix this, please. <laughs> Yeah, could you just could you just create a place for on vendor items? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. You know, you kind of gave us a little picture of where you'd like this to end up. I mean, do you do you envision for the the game? Do you envision that as a studio, you're going to continue to create new games, or are you going to be really focused on kind of evolving this one? And what's your bigger picture plan? Both. So yeah. Untamed Dolls are the flagship of our, of our studio. So it's going to be the MMORPG that we, that we build our name off. It's our IP engine. So we're probably never going to focus as much effort and energy into world building and law building as we will in the Untamed. Yeah. And saying that there will probably be some sort of mini game spin-offs. We're already looking at the possibility of a digital and physical TCG, uh, trading card game for the Untamed Dolls. Oh, and, uh, that's awesome. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we've got some really, well, we've just got, we've just got a, a wealth of knowledge and game designers that were really, and, and printing specialists and things that we're connected to. But the, for us, look, we have, if we're going to, if we're going to take play to earn to the main stage, we have to cover more genres than just this one because gamers, the game, the group of mainstream gamers are split into genre categories. Some yep. enjoy life sims, some enjoy shooters, some enjoy role-playing, some enjoy real-time strategy, some enjoy, and the list goes on and on and on. Survival, one of my favorites. We, we want to be that bridge. So we want to become one of the largest game development studios in the Southern Hemisphere. And we want to focus on indie titles that we can get early access to market in 12 to 18 months. Wow. So building multiple titles in a succession. For now, what we've done is we are focusing on one to get it to market, to prove ourselves to the world so that we can basically replicate what we've done again, with multiple game designers, with multiple teams and scale our company. But yeah, the idea that we're also bringing to the market is something called the UA UI model. And, and it's something else unique that we're building. So it's the idea that we have these universal items or universal assets, meaning some of the NFTs in our games will be accessible and portable between all of our games. Love it. Love it. I mean, that's really the power of what this, what this technology brings to us, right? Is, is it, and that's the, that's a lot of what people have envisioned for gaming for NFTs is that they would be available across. So. And it's much more difficult though, for multiple game companies to co to work together that way. But if you're actually creating multiple genres, well, then you can easily do it. We're going to look to build a standard because we want to work with other game studios that we're not, we're not, we're not competing against other game studios. We're here to help grow the industry. We like grow. We don't want to take a bigger pie to the pie. We want to make new pies and grow the pie. So 
it, it's one of those things where we're going to build a format. We're going to build a structure. We're going to test it out internally between a couple of internal titles ourselves. And then we want to start reaching out and working with other studios and not just play to own studios. I want to try and help studios that are already in these studios that already are building titles that already have built titles to bring their mainstream titles to play to earn. Nice. Right. So, well, and you'll have the expertise in the engine to convert, to help convert them. Right. So that makes complete sense. That's correct. We'll have all the partnerships, all the learnings and, and a lot of the technology there to help them connect their unity, unreal engines, all those kind of things, all their assets into EFT formats, into mintable formats. That's fantastic. So, so your friends and family, did they think you were nuts or did they just know you so well that this is not crazy for you to be doing this? It's funny because my family is mainly, wow. Yeah. So like my dad doesn't even use a cell phone, never used a cell phone, never had a computer, never had internet. So my relatives are farmers on my dad's side. That's interesting. Yeah. So my, none of my family are technology advocates and none of them have any idea of what I've been doing ever. They, they actually, when they, when I said that I was originally, when I became an entrepreneur, left my job, because I used to be a marketing consultant. Uh, <laughs> And I, I was a marketing analyst for a long time and they told me I was crazy and I should just keep my job because I was paid very well. And I worked for a large global company and yeah, they just, they told me that I made a mistake. And <laughs> even to, even to this day, I tell them, Hey, look, I'm doing really well. And they say, Oh, that's nice, but don't, shouldn't you get a job? <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I tell them, I'm like, you know, th- thanks. I call my granddad Popper. Thanks Popper. But you know, no, we employ you know, hundreds of people. We're I'm doing, giving we're doing, people jobs. Yeah, we're, we're doing okay. Like I get myself a job. I pay, I can pay myself a salary. It's fine. And they, they don't get it. So yeah, my, my friends though, I mean, I work with a lot of my friends. I've got a very like small tight network. I mean, that's great. I, I think a lot, I think a lot of people can relate to this, but once you kind of leave high school and leave like university, making new friends, especially if you're a gamer becomes pretty tricky. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is I spend, you know, 16 hours of my day behind my computer. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, but the ones that my close friends that I have retained and that I've sort of, that I've made through working together and stuff, I mean, they're here with me that they're, they're either back in the project or part of the project or that's not awesome. the project. So, yeah. yeah. So, and they believe in you cause you've proven yourself. So that's, that makes total sense. I love it, but it is still a leap. I mean, you're, you're, you're in a similar world, but you're definitely moving into new territory for you professionally, I guess, in terms of the video game, but you've been in the software industry, so that helps. So. Yeah, I've got, and, I, and I've got great people. Like, you know, there's no, there's no such thing as the best person in your company. I, you know, like everyone that we employed, we've been so lucky. They're such all-stars and they're so passionate about building the studio and the title. And we, we just got, there's, a, there's like a lot of, a lot of skill and expertise. And there's also like, yeah, quite a bit of luck that we've managed to hit. So. That's awesome. Well, look, and I think, I think one of the things that people are most leery about with, with this kind of a crypto NFT oriented play is, you know, games that just kind of slap it onto it, right? As opposed to making it an integral part of it and really thinking through it. And it really sounds like that's what you guys have done. So that's great. Well, we understand, we understand gaming economy pretty well, right? We've right. built our entire business off it and we've seen it play out on it. So we, we know what like, you know, new cards into circulation, new sets, limited print runs. Like we, we know what it all looks like. So we've seen it all from a traditional gaming arm. So we're not, we're new to crypto, but we're not new to gaming finance. Right. So, it's, it's, it's absolutely fine. But yeah, I mean, one of the big things I think that we bring to the space though, is just credibility too. like, you know, like we put our names out there. I'm, I'm still the CEO of channel Fiable group at the same, at the same time. And I'm a, a shareholder on that side significantly. And 
you know, like I, I put my name out here, I put my name on this. I'm not here to just grab a buck. You know, we're going to be reinvesting everything into growth and trying to innovate the space. And yeah, I just, I just think that just watch the space, you know? Yeah. It's obvious you're serious about it. What, what, yeah. what I find really interesting is at the beginning of this, you told me that you envisioned this as your, as your retirement role. I, I think to most people, this isn't going to sound like much of a retirement. Oh, for me it is though. I, 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 so I, I'm currently the CEO. I don't want that role forever. I just cool. happen to be the best fit for the job at the moment, but my dream is to just move, move full time into the game design portion. I want to, I want to build more games, innovative games. I want to take, I'm a widespread gamer. I mean, I play a lot of different genres and I've got such cool crossovers that I want to bring between the genres. I've got such cool evolutions and learnings and I just, I want to get in there with teams and I want to build some of these cool games and, um, yeah, I guess it's just a dream for me. It doesn't feel like working. That's oh. so cool, man. And look, I mean, you've worked hard your your whole life and now you're ready to apply what you really, I mean, something else that you love to do and what you yeah. learned from it. So that's great. No, you're, you're completely right. It, it is. I, I always dreamed to start, when I became an entrepreneur, I wanted to start a game development studio, but I did a lot of research and, and took a lot of advice from people that had done it before me. And I just found that it probably wasn't the best first business to run because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just one of those very unforgiving businesses and there's a lot of dreamers that enter the space. Yep. So I, you know, I went and proved myself. I, I, I went in the gaming industry, but I chose to obviously go into finance software through the POS and through the inventory and data management model. And, you know, worked my way into channel fireball and merged up there and then started doing big things and getting exposure and, you know, eventually got to where I am now to where I feel very, very comfortable, confident with my network, with my backing and my skills as a business leader to build a team and, you know, build a company. That's a, that's a very inspiring story. And I, I think, I think you're also kind of giving people a really good lesson in, in how to think about launching something, right? Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be something in the gaming space. It could be anything in crypto or outside of it. It's this kind of, you've taken a very measured approach to it. You've learned from other people, you've studied it for a very long time, and you've really thought through how you go to market. And I think I think it's really, those are valuable lessons for people to get from you. And can I say, even with the amount of experience I've had as an entrepreneur in business and successes I've had in the space, I'm still learning every day. You know, right. like it's, it's one of those things where like, there's still like people that I bug here in New Zealand, like, you know, owners of really big studios that have developed multiple successful titles, like Path of Exiles and things that I would just love to get an hour and a, and a phone call with just to ask them like a hundred questions. And. I think with, with for anyone out there, you know, that's looking to build or is building play to earn games or is looking to build video games, just say when you're, there's so much money in the space at the moment. And I personally am looking at all the venture capitalists and everything chatting to us. It's fantastic. Do just remember that there's often more value and less money, but involved, educated investors that can provide a layer of governance to you and help you find the right people and give you the advice you need to get through the different stages of, of growing a business. So, you know, do, do think about your knowledge equity as well. That's, that's a, that is an awesome lesson to learn because no matter how much you think, you know, everybody always needs help. Right. And, that's and right. you've not done every job in that world. So you need to make sure you have somebody that can guide you and help you and bring you people that'll do it right. Josh, this is fantastic. I'm going to, I'm going to snag a, a, a guppy for my son and I'm going to put him to, to work when you guys launch. I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> and I would love to circle back with you, say March or April to kind of get a sense of how things oh, are going. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'd be great. Hey, we're very excited to be working um, with you and, and to be putting out a series with you guys. It's going to um, be fun. 
Yeah, and look, and for anyone that for anyone that jumps in from this, do say hi in the Guppy Gang Discord and let us know where you've come from. As we're building out different little community groups within that Discord. Uh, Great. And to anyone out there that's you know that does end up grabbing a guppy, thank you so much. To anyone out there who's not grabbing a guppy, we still look forward to hopefully seeing you in the game. Yeah, they don't have to have it to play, and nope, it's not required. Right. It's just a way to support the effort, which sounds like a very smart effort. What's the best place for people to? go and connect should they go to untamedisles.com and that takes them to the discord or what how would you direct people it depends what you're after so if you go to guppygang.io you can you can find our discord you can find everything from there within the official links tab you can find the untamed dolls discord the untamed dolls kickstarter the untamed dolls you can find everything you need there if you go the other route you can go to untamedisles.com and then from there you can find our discord to the untamed dolls and that will get you through the guppy gang discord and <laughs> oh, different, just a different route yeah yeah let's start them on guppy gang so they can contribute i love it that's great yeah yeah get it grab one of these genesis tokens while they're still out there that's beautiful josh i'm really excited for you and i i'm really excited to see where this goes and obviously we'll be chatting a bit as we get you going on the doki doki so thanks let's thanks so much thanks for your time today and and best of luck i'm really excited to see how how well this goes thank you so much i'm Honestly, it was great talking and yeah, we look forward to working with you and I'm, and, and I'm going to go and buy myself some Doki Dokis as well. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. Hey, I really hope you enjoyed the show today. I can tell you that I am so glad to be back doing this. I love interviewing these brilliant technologists and artists. This is so much fun. If you love NFT Cast, please subscribe, like us, tweet us, and tell your friends about us so that we get more exposure for these amazing projects. Please visit dokidoki.com and learn more about this amazing, fun, and the only fair launch NFT platform in the world at dokidoki.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.